Hey everybody, Clint Fosley here, your host of the Brocode.life podcast and welcome to episode 11 of the podcast. It's entitled Dealing with Trauma with Diane Rooker from Pearl Counseling. This podcast goes all over the place, right? And, and, and I say that in a good way, whereas we cover so many aspects in terms of Diane's journey and how she ended up in the counseling space, as well as her personally dealing with divorce. And even though she had all the tools, so to speak, and all the um, all the experience as a professional, how she really struggled with that and, and really made her change her perspective on how to deal with the, the trauma of a divorce situation and how extreme it is, which has changed the way she practices. Thanks so much to Diane for her time and sharing so openly about all her discoveries and all the tough times she went through. I think the key here, you know, as with all these these podcasts about recovering from trauma is, is if you're struggling for help, please do, you know, reach out to a friend, reach out to ourselves, reach out to Diane and I, you know, Please don't keep quiet. Please don't suffer in silence and, and reach out if you're struggling with help. Exciting news this side, the Recovering from Ground Zero course has been finished now for a month or two. I don't know when, whenever you hear this podcast. So if you want to you know, like, like the content on the podcast and want to learn more about how we can work together in terms of putting yourself back together, then please go to brocode.life forward slash recover. We take enrollments a couple of times a year. And, and if there's not enrollment, then please join the waitlist and we'll get hold of you. Also, something else that always comes up time and time again in every single podcast is breathing. And breathing that I'm really, really sort of, you know, encourage people because it's a very simple way and it's only a 10-minute process is box breathing. Uh, and what I've done is up on the website, I've created a video of a free app that you can get either in App Store uh, or Google Play. Uh, and then just shows you how to set up this application so that you can have a 10-minute box breathing session. So if you are going through a tough patch or, you know, just dealing with a lot of stress and just 10 minutes of breathing, trust me, it will just clear your mind, make you a lot calmer. So and you can get hold of that, broco.life forward slash breathe. Anyway, enough about me ranting on. Thanks once again so much to Diane for her time. I hope you enjoy it and we'll see you on the other side. Cheers. and welcome to yet another edition of the Brocode.life podcast, episode number 11. And I'm here with Diane Ruka or Ruka from Pearl Consulting. Uh, that's a Dutch last name. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's very exciting to be here. So Diane is a friend of a mutual friend of ours yeah. and, and, and Diane specializes in the, in the trauma space and grief space from a counseling perspective and mm. running Pearl Consulting, which we'll get to in a bit. Counseling. Counseling. Sorry, uh, <laughs> trademark. We'll, we'll get to it in a bit, but um, just as we always, what I always love to do is just you know understand people's background, where they came from, how you yeah. ended up. Um, for those who watch visually, you can see I'm not in my lounge for once. I still don't have shoes on, but we are in uh, Diane's house or off, office slash home in in Brisbane. Um, so, how did you get here? What's your you know where did you grow up? Life story. Gosh, grew up in Melbourne. Yeah, I've got an older sister, younger brother, uh, Dutch parents. They were immigrants. Stayed there until I was 26. By then I was married. So yeah. I got married in 1990, um, had a child, and she was one when we moved to Brisbane. So, so, so pulling back, we lost yeah, 26 years. So we as did a, lose 26 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as a, kid, as a kid, what was your as interest growing that up? That was like such another life. Yeah. Um, God, as a, as a kid, I was funny. I loved 
I loved, I enjoyed school. To me, it wasn't, I wasn't an academic, but yeah. I um, really loved having fun and having friends and going out all the time. I had lots of animals, really loved my animals, like some horse riding, yeah. always doing netball or ballet or whatever. So involved with everything. So I was a very outwardy kid, but very clinging to my mother though when I was little when in my younger years yeah. and then as I went to school and got and started to branch out it was just like wow there's a whole whole new world out there <laughs> because of we were brought up with immigrants they um they just stuck together basically yeah. all the Dutch stuck together so I didn't get a lot of exposure until I was a little bit older um I had a great life and then by the time I was um teenager it was out four nights a week or whatever and just having a ball and, and enjoying life and <laughs> make sure your kids don't listen to this podcast <laughs> no my daughter's I, 14 and i was never out so my young, my youngest is like me she's she's yeah she loves it all my kids are grown up so they're all past it now um yeah so look i had a great life i had a great childhood had lots of fun had mm-hmm. lots of room to play it was very different to it is now we'd go out go down the creek go yabbying and and tadpoling and and do all of that sorry for yabbying as a don't know. Oh, like, you know, the little yabbies with the little claws. They're like prawns. Prawns, okay. But they're yabbies. And tadpoles, you know. Yeah, I know. Tad- We've got tadpoles in South Africa. Yeah, tadpoles. <laughs> so we'd go off and then we're not allowed to come back until it was dinner time, whereas it's so different now. So great childhood. Um, ended up being a, a medical receptionist. So I did a secretarial course. So back then there wasn't as many options. So you yeah. did the secretarial course and... Became a medical receptionist, um, did a medical terminology course, and I suppose that's where all of my, that's how it sort of started with me being in the medical field and, and wanting to to help people and yep. to, to, to be of service that way. That was always in me, just wanting to, to help and to make a difference and to support people. So that was the start of it for me. And then um, met my ex-husband and... Um, we ended up traveling up to Cairns and we stayed up there for a few months and then came back to Melbourne and bought a pizza shop. Wow. So I worked in there six nights a week, got bored. So I had a daytime job, um, just working in an office and then working there six nights a week and he was doing his engineering and... And was your ex-husband an Australian? Um, Dutch parents brought up in South Africa. So he came over when <laughs> oh, he crazy. was 18. Whereabouts in South Africa? In Johannesburg. Okay. Yeah, he went to um, the army there for two years and yep. then came over and um, we met in Melbourne and hit it off and yep. and that was it. And I think having, you know, the common thing of um, the cultures being very similar, which was just made it very easy mm. as well too. Funny, though, my sister also married a Dutch man with the same name. So, <laughs> weird. weird. Weird, yeah. Yeah, but unplanned. Um, yeah, so got married, had one child, and moved up to to um, Brisbane. Because when we did travel up to Cairns that time, we just loved it. Fell in mm. love with the place, fell in love with the beach. I love the water. And um, then we, we had her, then we had two more kids here, and then moved to Tasmania. For two years. Wow. How was the cold? So it was cold. It was <laughs> It was really cold, um, but beautiful, beautiful. Were you in Hobart or? No, Launceston. Launceston. Okay. So we were there for his work. So the kids went to school. The eldest was, she was eight. Um, and then the two boys. So I had the daughter, then the two boys. And then, um, yeah, I lost a set of twins. So previously before that, I had lost two, two children through ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. And then um, had three kids and tried for another one in Tassie and had a set of twins and lost the twins. 
So then I had the last one there in Tassie. Yeah. So that was a really difficult time. I'm sure. A, a beautiful time, but a very difficult time. So the family grew and um, sold the house and came back up and lived in the Redlands and um, then bought a, a beautiful property in Sheldon of three acres and we were there for about 16 years. Wow, okay. And sold that last year. So from a work perspective, were you? how did you transition, you know, from, as you said, being a yep. medical receptionist through to the counselling, helping people's space? Um, I really didn't do a lot of work. Um, I was raising the kids. Yeah. So for me, that was my job. He was um, pretty much a workaholic um, and he'd go away a lot. He'd travel. So he's travelled the world and I stayed, yeah. you know, looking at In the engineering space. In the engineering space, yeah. So um, that's what we did. So it wasn't until I was in my 40s, that early 40s, that I'm going, okay, my kids are getting a bit older. What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Actually, when I went, when we were in Tasmania and I just had the baby, I, um, I, I met Tony Robbins on, I didn't meet him, but he was on TV while I was breastfeeding yeah. and going, this guy looks pretty awesome. And um, so, yeah, my ex-husband bought me a ticket and off I flew down to um, nice. Sydney, yeah. um, did UPW, and um, and then I just signed up and did the whole thing. So for me, that was a real catalyst for, for my journey of growth. And when was that? That was 18 think. years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And what were the numbers at his events then? I think I paid for the whole package. It was about $24,000. Oh, so I'm not sure money, what it's. But that and, was a lot yeah. of money. So, yeah, it was a lot of and money. And did you do all the masterminds and all the other it, things I, that he has? No, I didn't do all of that. Okay. So I did. I went to Fiji and did health, did the health one. I did yeah. um, Date with Destiny, yeah. UPW, and. And UPW is Unleash Your Power with them. With him. Yeah. 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 Date with Destiny was a long one. I think that was about nine days. So. Yeah. I think that's where, for me, I've always been curious about how does Diane work? How does she tick? I wanted to be the best version of myself. So doing that was just like, oh, my gosh, there's a whole whole new world out there. Like, who, who am I really? Like, I was just so curious and I was just, everything was just opened up and it was just like, wow. So for me, when it got time to looking at what do I actually, what do I actually want to do now for me, because um, when I do something, I'm there a thousand percent. So for me as a parent, that was just so important. Well, that's that's what I'm thinking is that, you know, going to that and being you're like sort of lifted up and mm. empowered, mm. coming back to like, oh, shit, I've got to be a mom. Mm. Like how did you wrestle that in the early mm. days between I, 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 I see my potential, mm. I want to achieve this, but, mm. you know, you've got four kids priority and... I still didn't really know what I wanted to do back then. Okay. Though I just knew that something had opened up in me and I was just flying with it. So for me, there was still that commitment of being mum and and I was still absolutely loving that role, but still reading then and learning more about myself. And it actually gave me beautiful time to start exploring. Even though I wasn't actually going out working and earning an income, I was still learning. I was reading lots of books about, about like, myself and about yeah. how the brain works and about you know, the unconscious and all of that. It just, I was totally fascinated. And back then, any book that sort of stuck with you as, as like the, you know, the aha moment or too many? I I think Eckhart Tolle, The Power mm. of Now, was one of the first ones that I that I read. And I picked it up and I just, I really didn't understand it. And, you know, <laughs> well, you can read a book and then you're either going to get it or you don't. But yeah. then I picked it up again and I thought, wow. This is just amazing, and I got it. Yeah. 
It's heavy, it's got, a heavy read, right? It's, it's a, it is, but I think it's a heavy read if you're not really ready for it. But if you're ready for, it, I couldn't put it down. I was just I devoured it. Um, so that was that was incredible. My daughter, actually, the eldest one, did the same. I said, "Here, read this book." She did that, and she quit a job, and she, yeah. you know, was just totally changed her life as well. Every line's a highlighter line, right? Oh. They're just gem, 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 gem. Like, and then oh, you read oh. it again and then it's practicing the power of now. And yeah. I'm very much into that, just being totally present with my life. And, yeah, that's how I get to stay solid and grounded. And, and a lot of that stems from reading that book. So then where do I go? Where were we, where we now? We're 18 years ago. So you did Tony Robbins. You so were I still, did Tony you were still Robbins, mumming. Still mumming. Then moved to um, back to Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had the four kids, got them settled in schools, did all of that. That was really quite trying because, you know, one didn't want to go to school anyway. But we did that. Then we ended up buying the property. So we had um, beautiful three acres um, in Sheldon, gorgeous property. So then I started to, um, when, when was that? So I was in my early 40s. I'm 53 now. So 40, 41, and I started to say, okay, so I've now got to start studying something yeah. to to start working towards. I knew I couldn't just go because I had so many children, couldn't just go get a full-time job because of the care and all of that was just so expensive. And plus I wanted to do something where I was going to grow as well. Yep. That was really important to me. So I thought mm, I could do some counselling. You know, I can sit with people. I can. It was actually a friend that said it to me, and I said, "Really, don't be ridiculous. I don't think I can do this." You know, and I looked into it, and I looked into the particular course that I looked at. It was a holistic counselor, so that means whole. So it's not just one form. It's not just talk therapy. Mm-hmm. So I thought, "Oh, this looks really exciting." So I did it, and and I just started from there. And so then, when you said talk therapy, is when I clarify for the listeners that's just the classic go to a therapist sit yeah. down have a yeah it's... that's more counseling that's more when someone's got grief when yeah. someone just wants to talk they've got a problem and they just want to talk about whereas i've moved on to other types of therapy where we actually um want to um deal with the issue so there's an intention yeah um and it's, it's quite different to talk therapy um, and far effective so i started off doing that and then i just started seeing people at my home had a home office mm-hmm. And it's something that's taken at least five years to build. It's it does it's not overnight. Yep. People need to trust you. So I started doing that. Um, and then so when I learned, there were so many different parts that I was learning. There was family consolation work, the work of Barry and Katie. There was communication. So I actually went and did further training in each. I didn't need to, but to be able to facilitate those properly, I thought, okay, so then I just was just training, training, training and studying, studying, studying for a great deal of time yeah. and just building my skill base um, and then just building my ex- my experience as well too. So um, then I did um, the Richard's trauma process, which um, started me on the journey using trance work. Then I did EMI, emotional mind integration and rapid core healing. So it's a combination of a lot of different stuff but it's beautiful stuff and it's effective work and you know it takes years of therapy yeah and and you just want to tap into why why that's so powerful why is that so Mm, powerful why it takes years of therapy because you get at the core of the issue you work with because people come with presenting symptoms Mm -hmm. like anxiety depression alcoholism 
that's not why they're doing it. That's not what the problem is. The problem is something's happened to them. Zero to seven creates a foundation of your life. So whatever has happened in that time um, is going to stay with you as people were meaning making machines. So we make meaning of everything. You would have walked into my house today and you've gone, checked it out and making meaning of things, you know, how I'm dressed, how, what I look. We do that. It's not really a judgment as much, but it is we make meaning of things because we need to feel safe. Yeah. I never wear shoes, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have shoes either. My shoes are off too. Talking about meaning, yeah. 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 So, and as a child, if something happens to you as a child, you mm. could imagine a two, three-year-old, they don't really have the emotional intelligence to make the correct meaning. So they make meaning of, they might see mum and dad fighting all the time and they go, well, it's unhealthy to have a, have, have a relationship. Yeah. So all through their life, they sabotage themselves. Or we never conflict during and yeah. you never argue, right? You because that's, yeah. Exactly. So that, that child has made meaning of that, which may have been useful for that time, but as it's grown up as an adult, it's not useful anymore. Mm. So I go back using trance work as a form of hypnotherapy and um, we change that. We give the child what they need, what they didn't get back then, and we give that child a voice. So it's powerful. Which for most of us, um, I mean, and I'm speaking about myself because I've done a lot of work yeah. in the space, it's just felt yeah. nurtured and loved, right? Yeah. Um, and a, lot, a lot of my, I guess, aha moments mm. into putting myself back together is that, uh, that that feeling of inadequacy of not being good enough. Yes. Based on the conditioning of my parents. Yeah. And letting go of that and saying, well, you know what, you... Yeah. You, you're perfect just the way you are. Yeah. Um, still work in progress for me, but it's but it's yeah. it's that weight when that lifts. It's yeah. Like, oh, I know. It's huge. And that, that's the biggest complaint of um, well, the of the issue of, of most people is this good enough. Mm. You know, is that we get told this when we're younger, or we make meaning that that's what someone's assuming about us, and we pick it up and we carry it through life until we learn how to let go and drop mm. it and go, you know what, I am enough. Actually even questioning what is enough, you know, what is good is like, it's all bullshit really, you know. It's, it's 100% bullshit it's, because it's just you yourself it's just and I, you. right? Exactly, exactly right, yeah. Exactly. I just want to share a little bit more about mm. why, I, why I'm so um, passionate about, about what I do. I had, um, I was sexually abused when I was about 16 and, um, it was, I was having flashbacks all the time. And then I had to do a presentation for um, one of my modalities. And I thought, stop it, this just isn't working. So I actually sat down, I closed my eyes and I took myself back. I don't know why, it was just all organic. Mm -hmm. And no one told me what to do. I wasn't learning it. And um, I sorted it out and I bloody told him what and, you know, yeah. did what I needed to do. And I had gave myself a voice and I gave myself anger and I gave myself dignity. Yeah. And I walked out of that room with my head held high. And ever since that moment, um, flashbacks are gone. Wow. So for me, I've I've no I know this works. And I know this works. I can see clients they physically change in front of me and they're going, My God, I'm so much lighter. And at last it just doesn't go. So so once you had that personal experience, as yeah. you said organic, look Yeah. You must have walked out of there and gone, Holy, like how do I learn this mm. is i mean is that what sent you down the emi hypnotherapy part this was more about the fam family constellation work i was doing yeah. do you so, want to just talk a bit more what exactly that is and yeah so family constellation work is um is soul work so it's working with um systemically with um so whatever 
an issue can get passed down even two generations down. Mm -hmm. It just stays in the DNA. So it's like a consciousness. So there's four orders of love that happen within that govern a family system. So it's like your your consciousness will tell you if you've done something wrong, how are you going to feel? Pretty crappy. If you rectify it, how are you going to feel? Good. Mm. Same thing. There's certain things that happen within a family system. If we have secrets, if there's lots of affairs, if um, there's been abuse. So if all these things are happening within a family system and no one has taken responsibility for them, Mm -hmm. two generations down, someone's going to start behaving like this person because it needs to be seen. So when you, and, and this is going to get a bit woo-woo for some yeah. people, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you say, let's take me as an example. So yeah. uh, that feeling of inadequacy. Yeah. And I assume my dad carried that through his dad and all yep. the rest. By by me acknowledging that and releasing that from the family system, yes. in theory, it's- I'm releasing that from yep. my kids and their future generations. Absolutely. I'm seven, breaking that cycle. Seven down, seven back. Yeah. Yeah. So what we do, there's, there's certain ways that we can work with family constellation. We do it as in a group, so we use actual real people. Mm-hmm. So you would say, okay, I'm going to set someone up. From, so you would tell me that's your problem of inadequacy, mm-hmm. and um, I really don't know how to get rid of it. I've tried. My dad's had it. It's like, okay, it's a generational thing. It's probably yeah. family constellation. Yeah. So you ask somebody, can you represent me? Can you represent my father? And then you sit back. And we have it, and then they position themselves. Yeah, they're standing up. So they will take on your feelings, uh, your emotional feelings, and your physical feelings. Yeah. It's really weird, mm-hmm. but it just happens. It's called the knowing field. Yeah. So we set the field up, and it just, it's not woohoo. It's just you don't need to have any special yeah. talents. Um, it's not magic. It's just how life works. Um, Sorry, when I say woohoo to yeah, 99.9% of the world, this is woohoo. Yeah, yeah, well, it probably is. <laughs> They're probably thinking they going, what? she's tripping, what's she yeah, doing, you know, right. and I'm not never going to her. The coffee was laced. I'm, the, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, I'm with you. <laughs> so anyway, so we, we what that does is we yeah. see the picture and we say some healing sentences and then we see the final picture. Yeah. That's it. So it's great. Wow. It's amazing. So where did you where did you learn about that? How did you study that? I studied that when I started my holistic counselling. Yeah, with um, the Awakening Group, and then I went to a lady called Marguerite Corning. So I did nine or nine or twelve days of training as a facilitator. So now I can facilitate whole groups. Yeah, doing that. And what's your typical use case? Like a family struggling, or someone with a personal issue, or what are a couple of scenarios? Uh, the, I use it when I do my trance work. So yeah. that's the wrapper core healing. So I do use it, even but just by closing your eyes and picturing mum and dad in front of you. So a lot of it is we've picked up a lot of stuff from mum and dad. Mm-hmm. You know, it always comes back to mum and dad. What we've picked up, unfortunately, a lot of it's mum, actually. No, no pressure as a it's parent. Like, uh, yeah. No, exactly. But that's the thing is, as I've understood this, yeah. like the enormity of being a parent, I'm yeah, like, oh. It's huge. It's massive. Yeah. You know, but you can't worry about that because otherwise you just get too stressed. Yeah. You know, you just do the best that you can do and it's that's their lot to deal with. And I think, you know, for me, I think, oh, look, my one of my sons got some other issues and I'm like, yeah, you need to deal with that because yeah. I did what I did. And so um, what was the question? Um, oh, just a scenario of, of okay. when you went to the trance work. So with the family consolation yeah. work, so it might be um, they're closing their eyes, they've got dad, their mum there in front of them. And it's about giving a voice and saying, you know what, I've picked this up from you and I'm choosing to give it back. Mm. Um, or you have a conversation and then I might go, okay, I'm putting grandmother behind mum. 
How does um, mum feel with grandmother there? Oh, she's not happy. Okay, let's get her turning around. Oh, so the same thing happened there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let grandmother say what she needs to say. Let mother say to grandmother what she needs to say. Yeah. So it's absolutely incredible. I, I've recently done a clearing like that, whereas my yeah. grandfather came up, which yeah. I never saw. Yeah. Um, because my, my dad was like a top, top level, national yeah. level athlete. Yeah. And what I distinctly remember was my dad ran an ultramarathon for the first time. Yeah. And he, I mean, he was just good at everything, right? Yeah. So he was in the in the top whatever. Yeah. But I think three women beat him. Ah. And my grandfather, he crossed the line for the first time. And my dad just got shat on. He said, yeah. how can you let three women beat you? And I never, ever thought that the same stuff my dad pushed on me would have been pushed on him by his dad. Yeah. Until recently when it came in through a clearing. Where yeah, like, yeah. Why is your grandfather here? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And then I started running. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, my dad must have dealt with the same stuff. And you can do that with family constellation work because yeah. we'd set your grandfather up and he'd be yeah. telling the story as to what happens. It's just absolutely amazing. But something, you know, when you just sort of when you alluded on to your, your, one of your sons having mommy issues, I think for me is letting go of that is key, but also understanding exactly what you said. is like my parents did the best they could with yeah. what they knew. Yeah. You know, it yeah. didn't help me. No. But it's, they thought they would, yeah. they were just repeating the patterns yeah. of the past, right? Yeah. And you yeah. can't, you can, you can be, you can have that chip till the day you die, or you can say, well, the way I've, I've kind of, you know, sat down with them, and I mean, they both passed away, but yeah. since, you know, I forgive you. Like, I yeah. get why you are where you are, yeah. and I'm yeah. thankful for everything you gave yeah. me, but it's, yeah, but exactly. I, I forgive you, and let me, let me be now. I had a huge awareness of the relationship that I had with my mum and dad was that just emotionally were not available. So for me, as soon as my eldest was about four, I started doing parenting courses. Because I knew I wanted to have a different relationship mm. with my children. I wanted to have a more open and honest relationship with my children. I wanted them to know me. I wanted to know them. I still, to this day, my mum passed away many, many years ago. Um, I still don't know her. Yeah. I didn't know who she was. I didn't see her. So for me, that journey has started respecting them for they did the best that they could with what they had. But I'm choosing to do it differently. Yeah. I'm choosing to be a different parent um, for my kids. And I have a beautiful relationship with all four of my children now, mm. all of them, even though I'm with mum issues. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you also think that it's as as us as a society are becoming more spiritually aware, mm. uh, it's also a generational thing mm. where it was, mm. you know, we were the child, you sit in the corner, you know, spoke when spoken to. Exactly. Whereas now it's, I think as we're all evolving as yeah. humans, we're like, well, there's more to this picture than yeah. that he said, she said sort of, yeah. you know. And kids have got a voice now too. Well, they can also Google stuff and call us on exactly. it. <laughs> They'll speak up now, whereas back then we sort of didn't speak up as much. Oh, no, no, too shit scared, right? You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't speak up. You no. just sort of, and you don't question and you don't say, you know, why aren't you asking me about my feelings or what I want to do and all of that yeah. sort of thing. We just sort of take it. Yeah. Um, but they came from a different generation. They came through the war. So there was a lot of fear there mm. within them as well too. So I can see that now reflecting back at that time, at that time when I was a child, though, I didn't understand that. No, but it was is what it is. It right? was that's what it was. That's what they went through. So while we're on the on the topic of our kids, let's just go sign another another thought pattern of mine. Yeah, is is uh, myself included, especially as a single parent, as as we you, you mm. I feel sometimes uh, guilty is the wrong word, but almost over parenting. I think we also the generation where we give our kids so much, and yeah. you know your life revolves around your kids, and and especially when you end up in a single parent home, you like yeah. you know it's not what you want for your kids, so you just take on too much. Yeah. Uh, I know I did that for a year or two and now I've pulled back and, yeah. you know, trying to get my kids to 
you know, yeah. make their own lunchboxes and small things. But yeah. do you see that in, you know, the people you see that kids these days are very entitled because of us over parenting? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're giving them, we're giving them, there's no boundaries. There's no real clear boundaries. And if there are, parents don't stick to them. Mm. Um, because of they feeling guilty and they think they want to be more friends with their their, their um, children than parents and their role is to parent not to be friends with them. You can be friendly with them and have fun with them. Yeah. Sure, that's great, but there still needs to be that that those boundaries for the kids. If kids don't have boundaries, is they f- don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And then they're pushing the boundaries, but they're not being pulled back. Um, so, you know, there's more drugs, there's more talking back, and we think... You can do anything, you know. You can go off and do anything, be who you want, whatever. We just say, just do it all. But reality is they can't really be it all, all the yeah. time. And you look at how both parents now, we've, we come from a society where it's very materialistic. You know, you look at the, the quality of houses that people have now compared to when we were kids. We had one living area, you know, one, one little phone, um, and that was it. We were together all the time. Now we've got two parents working. Why? Because they want bigger things, they want yeah. bigger cars, they want BMWs, they want this and that, you know, which is great. But what are you sacrificing? You're sacrificing one of the parents being home home with the children. Yeah, sure, the cost of living has gone up. But I do think a big part of it is that both parents are working, then they feel guilty, and then they just let the kids do what they want. Throw money at the problem. And a lot of it is, too, they don't have the communication skills to be able to parent to say, you know, you've had five minutes of five hours or whatever yeah. on this iPad, you need to get off now. Oh, yeah. God, I can't be bothered. Just stay on it. And what does is, what is the parent do? I'll go on my phone. Yeah. So phones, iPads, they're all the screens. They're a huge, huge problem. Huge my, problem. If my kids ever listen to this podcast, I always say to them, it's called parenting. They get the shits <laughs> of me. I'm like, well, I'm like, it's called parenting. parenting. What I'm doing right now. Exactly. Like, and it's hard because all the other kids are doing it. So yeah. the kids are going, so why can't I do it? So it's just like, I'm glad my kids didn't really grow up in that era. Yeah. Um, thank God I didn't have to parent in that because it would have been tough. Yeah, my 14-year-old at the moment, daughter, she's like, I'm going for a sleep. I'm going to phone the mom. Why are you doing that? Yeah. No one else is doing it. It's embarrassing. I'm like, yeah. it's called parenting. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. need to make sure. You I would say- actually walk in the house. <laughs> I would actually go in the Mum, you're not coming. Yes, I am. Otherwise, you're not going. So make your, take your choice. You know, this is what I do. Not to hammer the, our, our beloved kids, but just mm. on that tangent, not over parenting, which worries me, mm. um, I guess, as we, well, myself, starts to look at the uni phase, is that with, with kids coming up in this super, you know, mm. I guess uh, maybe cotton wool environment of yeah. you can do everything as, as soon as you do get into the big bad world yeah. and realize that oh shit things don't aren't on a silver platter yeah. and, and things yeah. are hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, I don't know what the suicide rates are, but for, Huge. you know, yeah. sort of t- mid 20 males, mm. I know it's mm. through the roof, right? Yeah. Do you think that's also sort of uh, symptomatic of, of how kids have come through being entitled? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And also, if we tell them that they can do so much, which is great mm. to really encourage your children, but also tell them, you know what, that may not come, that may not eventuate. So maybe you need a plan B. So look at putting that into their, their mind, into their psyche that, oh, okay, so maybe that won't work. Yeah. Because if we just keep saying to them that, you know, everything's great and you're going you're gonna to do it, you're going to do it, then they get there and they don't do it, then they totally crash. And they don't know how to pick themselves up again. So it's like sort of building some resilience in them as well. Um, I'm a big believer that if I want to achieve anything, you know, 
I, I can achieve what I want. It's yeah. only me that's going to stop me. But I think as a parent, we also need to tell them, look, what if that doesn't work out? What are we got to look at what different options are? Yeah. What's available for you if that doesn't work out? Well, I guess it's getting a, a like a thought pattern and a strategy of mm-hmm. how to negotiate your way through anything. I mean, when my kids try to go to a movie, I was like, doesn't they come hit hot? I want to go to a movie. Yeah. Like, oh, that's not a good strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you should say, Dad, do you want to go for a surf today? Yeah. Dad, can I do this? Can I, you yeah. know, let's, let's, let's structure an argument yeah. or formulate a plan yeah. that we can actually get you there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's building that emotional intelligence mm. in children. So getting to be problem solvers. So come up with their own solutions. A lot of pre- parents now will just, um, okay, this is how it is. A kid's got a problem. Oh, just do this and this and this. Oh, don't worry about that. You're okay. But it's like, no, actually put it back onto the child yeah. and go, well, what would you do about that? How would you solve that? What do you think is the problem mm. there? Where's your responsibility in that? Instead of thinking that, oh, no, we've just got to be the fighters for our children and we've just got to take all that pain away for them, you're actually creating more pain for them than you are taking away from them. Making yeah, it tougher, because, making them think about their yeah. things, it's building resilience exactly. and it's building emotional intelligence. Yeah. And that can start from a one-year-old. And this is what the parents, I don't think they're, they're doing. Well, I don't think, like I didn't realise until I've started moving into this space, the enormity of those first seven years. Mm. I mean, you know, until you really mm. understand it. Mm. Um, you know, to, to really create that imprint mm. in your kids. Yeah. Okay, should we leave our kids alone for a while? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be happy with give, that. Give them a break, right? <laughs> so, so moving, so from the trance stuff. So you went yeah. to the constellation trance. Where, where else did your journey? I mean, how are we like 12, 13 years ago? Where are we now? Oh in no, the, timeline? the trance stuff was only oh, actually that was two thousand. Um, the family constellation work was two thousand and twelve. Uh, what are we now? So 12, 19, 12, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't all that long ago. Okay. And then it was two years ago where I started developing the EMI that I spoke about, yeah. the rapid core healing. Um, so I've been working on that for about the last two years, sort of, and that's pretty much the majority of the work that I do now. Mm. I really, I love that. I've sort of found my niche with that because it works. So do you just want to talk through what an EMI is and what a typical session okay. would look like? So EMI is emotional mind integration. Mm-hmm. So we all have different parts of our personality. We have the happy, sad, anxiety, whatever. Most of us self-regulate and come back down to where it's supposed to be. Sometimes we have emotional parts of ourselves that are, we call them disturbed parts because they're not happy. Yeah. And the ones that are not happy, you see them more because they play up more. You know, it's like the anger, well, the anger keeps coming up or the anxiety keeps coming up. So when they come to me is they come to me and go, I've got anger, you know, mm. that's a symptom of something else. It's not the anger. So, okay, so you've got anger. So I might just do a little bit of history with them, a little bit of talk. The beauty of doing EMI, emotional mind integration, is um, we don't have to go over story. So there's no chance of re-traumatization. Because when you actually retell a story like a sexual abuse or a bad separation, you're re-traumatizing yourself by actually telling the story. And, you know, some therapists do say, you know, well, tell me the stories, tell me what happened. Oh, I won't do that. I don't, unless they want to share it with me, um, we don't need to do that with EMI. Mm-hmm. So what happens then is I um, take them into into trance and then um, take them to a safe place and then we'll focus on the anger. I say, and then I'll ask them, okay, now focus on the anger, feel it in your body and let them sit with that anger, let mm-hmm. it come up. 
And then I'll say, where is it? And they'll say, oh, it's here. Normally it's here or here, mm. you know. Is it deep or shallow? Whatever. Just really focus on that. And then, okay, so I want you to get it to the maximum, the intensity as you can. Okay, so they do that, they nod their head. Okay, I'll go bang. Three, two, one. Go go to the first time this came into your life. So we don't even, neither yeah. of us need to know when it, when yeah. it happened. Um, and then the client goes back. I said, okay, where are, how old are you? I'm one. Or I'm in womb. Wow. That's interesting. I've had a couple go back to womb. I'm actually in my mother's womb. Okay, what's going on? How, how's the baby feeling? How's the fetus feeling? So then we go back um, to say we go back to a one-year-old. How's how's a one-year-old feeling? Oh, she's so, oh my gosh, she's so upset. Okay. Then I get them to find an adult part of them that can nurture and yeah. take care of that. Then we take that one out of the side. Then we get another one in that speaks up. Yeah. And what's happening and deals with whatever happened, whether it was abuse or whether it was whatever, and gets to deal with it. And they turn around. How's a one-year-old? So very happy that that's happened. Yeah. You know, and then we integrate that back into the person, yeah, all through trance, yeah, and that person can, that little one can now rest. And is it a one appointment thing or multiple appointment? Depend. I mean, that's a how long a piece of string question. Normally, it's one. It's wow. Normally, like huge success with yeah. just one. You know, they do come back. I've had someone go, oh my God, that thing you did to me, can you can I just come back and do it again? You know, the anxiety is gone, the, the rage is gone. Yeah. And I keep expecting it to come back, but it's gone. We actually work with a neural pathway too. Yeah. So a neural pathway is when you repeat a behavior over and over again, you develop a really strong neural pathway. So if I've got a client who's in their 40s, 50s or 30s, mm. they're used to doing this anxiety. They're used to doing... and 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 the reactions of and the consequences of having that anxiety. So yeah. what's what what's that stopping them from doing? So they've got really strong neural pathways there. But by doing this work, yeah. we're actually creating new ones. So uh, Joe Dispenza's becoming yeah. supernatural. I mean, he carries on a lot about yeah. those neural pathways, yeah. right, and how to re- reprogram yourself. Yeah, yeah. So that's the work that okay. I do. That reprograms them. It's scientifically based. Yeah. So I do that. So that's the EMI, something that's happened in this lifetime. Or when we go under and if it's something to do with the systemic issue, then we deal with that as well. Yeah. So not everyone's trained in both. I'm trained in both. So that's called RCH. It's rapid core healing. So. And that's got to do with past lives? Um, that's got to do with systemic issues. So okay. family. Yeah. Like we're talking about family constellation work. Okay. So it's a combination of family constellation work and EMI in one session. And sometimes it takes half an hour. So I know we alluded to before the call about hypnosis. So what is, for those who don't know, the difference between trance and hypnosis? It's the same thing. Same thing. Hypnosis is, a, is going into trance. Okay. So, that's a- so trance, we all go into trance every day. Um, when we drive a car, when we're, <laughs> you know, we're, we're away with the fairies. Yeah. When, we're, when you're surfing, you're in trance because yep. you're so focusing on it. When someone's got a hobby and they're painting, they're there, oh, I didn't even hear what was going on. That's trance. That's all it is. It's a beautiful space. It's a beautiful space. So we take people down there because we need to talk to the unconscious. We need to stop the conscious mind because the conscious mind is critical thinking. It's the ego. It's everything like that. Yeah. We need to stop that so we can talk to the unconscious Mm -hmm. because the unconscious knows what's going on and it will take us directly to the core issue. Yeah. Um, That's all a trance is. My clients, I wake up, they remember everything. I talk to them throughout the whole process. If they want to stop, they can go, I can stop. But I always set up a safe place for them. I've never had one. Oh, I've had one that wanted to stop. Um, but they've got to be ready to go there. 
Yeah. I will not do it with a client that says, mm, I'm only here because my husband wants me to or whatever. Oh, I'm not really sure. Okay, that's fine. We won't do it. So what's your uh, opinion take, Joe Dispenza, think mm. about it with, with, with the whole universe and us all being interconnected mm. and just as humans letting go and mm. le- letting, letting the universe or God or, Allah or whoever you believe take you to where you need to be? Absolutely um, believe that, yeah. Well, as I mean, I believe in it yeah. 300%. So yeah. yeah. So what's your take on that? When did you first come across that and, and – and how do you try and integrate that in a, I guess, a, three questions here. Mm-hmm. And how do you integrate it into modern society where people will, st- and I keep using the word woo-woo, people will yeah. still see that as woo-woo. Because when you tell people just to let go, and I know for myself, yeah, it's just that fear. I mean, you're like, well, what are you, what are you scared of? The same thing yeah. happening over and over yeah. again. Yeah, If you exactly. rationalize it, it's like, well, you might as well. I believe that um, we've, we've all got a path and it's, it's already been designed for us and but it's up to us to actually follow the path we can't sit back and go oh well i'll just sit back because the universe has a plan Mm. um that's taking the easy way out and the universe is going to give you a good kick up the butt if you do that it's about following what you feel is right so it's more about a body feeling for me it's Mm. like uh, it's intuition and that's what i call it it's intuition i'll know what i need to do and where i need to go and what i need to how i need to be and it's just following that intuition which guides me to where I feel that I need to be for me. Um, earlier this year, I went away for a month and I knew that I had to go away for an extended period of time and that was my time of healing. So I yeah. went to South America, Galapagos Islands. Nice. And that was all based on intuition yeah. and just feeling it. And that was like knowing that the universe will take care of me as long as I trust in the universe. So it's about having trust that there is a higher plan and just to follow your intuition. And you can live your life by fear of love and fear you'll stop yourself from doing so much. You'll question, you'll go, no, that's not right. I can't possibly do that. It's like I've just bought a house. I've gone, look, I know that I'm just keeping an eye out. Yes, I'm being proactive about it. Mm. Um, But I'll know that the universe will show me where the right house is. Yeah. And it did. And then I found it, and then two, one or two weeks later, I bought the house. So to me, it's just trusting, but you've also got to follow it. You've also got to work towards it. It's yeah. not just sitting back. Sorry, did I answer your question? No, no, I'm just in terms of your, your yeah. thinking about the universe. We'll, we'll get into yeah. the, the, I guess, convincing is the wrong word. But yeah. just from my, my perception, if once you once you tap into it, and it's still for me a daily practice to yeah. get better at it, if if you when you are in tune and don't come out of a fear base, like yeah. doors open everywhere. Yeah. But if you're in that fear, yeah, I guess almost a scarcity yeah. protect yeah. mindset, then yeah. everything's just yeah. you know. Whereas if you yeah, and and something for me which which has helped a lot is is everything I do is don't make it outcome based. Do it because yeah. you want to do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry about the outcome. Yeah. Because yeah. then then you then you surrendering it away. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the word that I was just going to use is surrender. Because part of my journey through going through my divorce, I don't know if I want to start touching on that now, mm. but that was just surrendering um, and knowing that I'm okay. And when I surrender to what is, then um, everything seems to work out beautifully. Mm. So with my clients, you know, I talk to them about um, fear and love and talk to them about understanding their thinking because it's only their thoughts that are that are preventing them from doing so much really yeah um if i was fear-based i wouldn't have bought the house on you know on my own or i wouldn't have 
um, gone off to South America, my God, to catch nine flights in total. And, you know, if I come from fear, but no, that's not what I'm supposed to do. That's yeah. crazy. So then I would have put myself on a different path and that would have been the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Um, or it would have been a path where I had to learn different things. But I've just learned to trust. I've just learned to live by love, not fear. And I've just learned to surrender to what is. Mm-hmm. So, and then... And how, how recent is that development? Because I know we, we spoke about it on camera and if I, I, I'd love to get into, obviously, I'd love to talk about your divorce, but how you struggled with it personally, even yeah. even with all your background and education yeah. and experience. That scared the it, crap it, out of me. <laughs> so let's maybe, yeah. you just maybe start there as, as, yeah. a, as a story point, you know. How I, yeah, well, I separated. I've been separated for two years. I'm divorced now. Yeah. And um, for me, my whole life has been family. I've been, you know, the mother um and that was my role that was my job Mm. and you know that was taken away from me so i think when you when you separate you just don't lose the partner you lose the family as it was you you lose there's a lot there's a lot of layers and um you know it's it's just ongoing because every christmas every birthday every whatever there's Mm. always there's always something so for me um you know i remember my worst point was um when all my kids were at my ex-husband's and they were all together and something triggered in me and I, and I was like, you know, I come from fear then and, and the ego and I was thinking and poor me and I'm home alone and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I was struggling and I knew a lot of it was my thinking but I was just, I went from a family of six to a fam, family of one. I was on my own. So to me that was that was my, my lowest point. Um, I actually called my son. I said, I need you to come here because I'm not, I'm not coping. I just, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was crying. You know, if I went through a day where I wasn't crying, it was a good day. And I was like, oh, yes, no crying today. And then, and I had to call my son and I needed to get him to come and support me because I thought I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I felt that bad that I thought I really just don't want to be here. It's not that I wanted to kill myself. It's actually that I just didn't want to be there. There was a difference. I wouldn't have killed myself. I just, I just wanted to just check out for a little bit that i mean that pain is hard to explain it's very hard you know i i mean my situation was my ex went house of five three young kids yeah went back as we as we got sort of separated went back to south africa for six weeks yeah it's christmas two kids birthdays alone in by myself yeah it's hell yeah. Dan Murphy's is the only thing that did well because, yeah. because it well, was my wine. <laughs> yeah. It was brutal. Yeah. And you it's it's the I've pain. never felt pain like that in my life. I've lost um you know, I've lost the four babies. Yeah. I've lost I was twenty four, I lost my mum. Two years later my dad dropped dead. So I had a lot of grief mm. in my life at a very young age. And um what I experienced losing my 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 partner, my husband, my family was nothing compared like that was that 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 pain was nothing compared to losing that um it was just massive and indescribable so that's when i thought shit i'm i'm struggling like i I kept going and i knew what i needed to do but it was still painful i'm still a human with feelings and emotions and i'm my heart's like this and i'm just mum you know i'm just like um, and that was all taken away from me. So I thought, how are all these other people doing it? How, how are they coping? And it just it changed my practice, really, because I, I, it just gave me such a different perspective on these couples that would come in. It made me so much. 80% of my work is couples. 
So it made me far more passionate about what I was doing. And because I really knew that what the consequences were and the pain that you go through, you know, it's just, unless you've been through it, you can't describe it. Yeah. Consequences are wonderful. I mean, I said yeah. all my married mates, you know, especially guys like, you mm. know, and I'm a single guy and they're all like, oh, I'm like, dudes, it's not no. worth it. Trust me. The, it's not. The enormity and the ripple effect mm. and the lives that get destroyed along yeah. the way. It's just. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's another analogy I use is like when someone's going to have a kid, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you can tell them everything in the world until they have the kid and they and go, then, holy shit, my life's changed. Yeah. Because people yeah. don't know until they've. Yeah. Um, so, so when you said it changed your practice. Um, yeah. It changed me as, as, as a therapist, really. From, from an empathy, from a, empathy point of view or from a. From how I actually, my energy towards my practice, my energy towards my my clients was different i had such an awareness when you've lived it yourself and you're a therapist it's so different to actually trying to work with someone and you haven't gone through it yeah um yes the empathy but also then um you know sort of educating educating them you know it's not it's not as easy out there just to just go bang and make that decision that's actually harder to do it that way than it is to do some work now and if you can if there's hope you know, work at it now because the ripple effect of that it has on your life for the rest of your life and on your children and, and it just doesn't go away. Like I deal with 40, 50, 60-year-olds who are still going, my parents separated and I'm still struggling, yeah. you know, and now these are little ones that their parents are separating and it's going to affect them for the rest of their life. Yeah. It, it will. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm far more passionate now as a therapist and really supporting the the parents to stay together you know to work it out to educate them and my work's not just about doing the therapy work and going back and clearing it's also about education i ran a lot of um a parenting course for for many years called parent effectiveness training Mm -hmm. and that was teaching parents how to communicate so now i teach couples how to communicate the differences between men and women yeah you know what they are masculine feminine and, and you know what are the love languages? You know, the five, I say, do you know what your love mm-hmm. language is? And they look at me like, what's that? You know, great. There's something they don't know. I can impart some knowledge, mm-hmm. impart some wisdom, and it makes a massive difference in their life. Because if they don't learn it now, they're just going to go on to the next relationship. And, and repeat same the shit's same patterns. Yeah. <laughs> same shit, different time. We, we may have spoken about that off camera, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's on me, not you. Yeah. Um, but, but communication you know, it's the key. Yeah, it's the foundation. But here's the thing: is if you, if you, if I look at my marriage example, we got together when you were kids, right? Yeah, you were super, super young. Didn't come from a, I guess, say a spiritually and communication yeah. where society. When yeah. I first said to my parents, "I'm going to go to a therapist," my mom said, "I was weak, and yeah. you're not weak. You don't go." Yeah. So you didn't really have any of these coping mechanisms. There wasn't Google. There wasn't Facebook. You know, there wasn't these channels yeah. to try find out how to empower yourself and communication i mean and it's an age-old thing communication is key in any relationship yeah and expectations another thing which is what are your expectations out of a relationship whether it's a friendship a business partner anything right yeah and people people for whatever reason don't seem to set that up front yeah and then get disappointed and this is what i teach them as well Mm. there's communication but there's effective communication so there's a way to communicate Mm. you can tell people i don't like that or i want that but you're not going to get the um, effective result if you tell them in the incorrect way okay so that's one thing and also with um um 
oh, what did you say before? So there was the communication and then there expectation. was expectation. So I teach them also. I say, look, treat your marriage like you do a business. Mm. And the guys just love it because they're like, oh, I can do this. So in, when you run your business, um, you know, you have structures and um, you you do staff performance reviews and appraisals. And if you're if it's not working well, what do you, you do? do? Oh, I do all of this, this, this and this. So think of your marriage as you would your business. Mm. If you don't do all that work in your business, what's going to happen to your business? It's going to fail. Mm. You're not going to make the money. It's going to fall apart. You have to close your doors. Yeah. Bang, it's closed. So your marriage is the same. So I say to my 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 couples is go twice a year, redo the contract. Yeah. You know what what needs are working well. What what are not working well. You know, it's not all about what you want. It's about what is working well as well. Mm. Um, how could we do differently? What what goals do we want? Let's let's set some goals. Let's make some plans. You know, they become a real team and they're on the same page mm. and they're in touch with each other. They've got their needs that are being met. As mm. human beings, every action is to get a need met. And yeah. if we're not getting them met... Um, yeah, we know so, how that ends. Yeah. <laughs> So what I do is is more than just clearing the past. It's also setting them up for the future. As a holistic counsellor, holistic is whole. Yeah. You know, so. I still remember a, a story, and it's a French miner, Olivier, and his and his wife, Natalie. I'm always sorry. She's, Natalie. she's French, but I just call her Natalie in American accent. Yeah. Um, they, 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 uh, they came to spend a week up at the beach house with me, and we were having a discussion about marriage and life. And, and they were like, no, no, well, she has, I can't remember which way, she had the beach out in Marseille in her business. He had the apartment in Paris in his business. Yeah. Completely financially separated. Yeah. And they, every single year, they choose to be together. Two kids. Yeah. And I looked at it in the beginning as a classic romantic. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's a bit cold, you know. But yeah. as I processed it and realized that it was probably, like, out of all the people I know, the most mature relationship ever. Because yeah. it wasn't, we weren't entwined, we weren't sticking, we chose to be together. Everything from day dot was completely separate. Yeah. And so, it works. Absolutely. You know, it's that's the right so, yeah. choice. And your, your relationship shouldn't be like spaghetti where you're just stuck together, you know, like oh, the spaghetti is. Because trying to pull that apart is really difficult. Mm-hmm. You should be here but together in a bubble but in a separate. You're, you're, you're individuals first mm. before you became a couple. So you're individual, then you're a couple, but you're still individual people and you need to honour yourself as an individual all the time. And that's, for me, what the work I do with the guys in my course is who, who is that individual? Yeah. Because I know myself and 100% on me, I lost myself and I was yeah. the provider dad, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know who the, who the hell I was yeah. and what I love to do. Yeah. So the work I try to do with guys in my course is, yeah. like, okay, redefine you. Yeah. Get your mates, get your band yeah. brothers, do all this stuff. Yeah. And then, and even for me, for the new partner that comes into my life is, as you yeah. said, it's not a accessory is a bad word but it's an addition to yeah. this world and this yeah. life that i've got whereas yeah. very much before that I, I was after the spaghetti yeah and they're, they're different archetypes that we play when we got different roles in our life mm. and we lose our identity we lose who we are when we think well i'm putting the mum cap on and that's who i am that's not who diane is at all you know and it, when you become so entwined with another person that you don't you can't even see yourself because you're just so entwined I mean, that's so terribly unhealthy. Mm. So individuality, becoming an individual, knowing who you are. What do you want? What do you need? What do you like? These are the things I instill. You know, you need to think of you. What do you want first? Then think, now, what do you want as a couple? Then what do you want as a family? Which for me in, in the early days, personally, was seemed selfish. Yeah. 
it was like, oh, I can't yeah. think of me. Yeah. Um, now for my kids, I'm like, you, listen, there's only one person that can make you happy. Yeah. That's you. It's not That's my job, job to entertain you. I'll give you the infrastructure and yeah. the environment to do that, but yeah. that's, that's your job. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and that's that's something which yeah. took me a lot of personal work to not yeah. feel selfish by looking after me first. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people go down the track of um, the victim of, oh, I'm just such a giver, don't worry about me. And, you know, that's a whole other kettle of fish, <laughs> and, you know, but... It's if you're really serious about, you know, having a happy life, yep. you need to go, you know, I come first. And it's not in a selfish way. Mm. When I say yes or no to someone, it's always a yes to me. Mm. Okay. Because whatever I say, like when you ask me to do this, you know, I think about it, you know, is this what I want to do for me? Is this mm. what Diane wants? I stop, I slow it down, I check in with myself. And even if I say no, it's still a yes to me because I've I've chatted to myself. This is why lots of people have a lot of resentment mm. is because they don't check in with them. They're yeah. just yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And I will slow, slow down. Hang on. You can say no. Oh, yeah. can I? Yeah. It's an you, amazing word. And you don't have to answer straight away. You can say to them, you know what, I'll get back to you. You know what? I'm choosing not to do this. We all have choice. At the end of the day, we've got choice. We have that freedom to make a decision for us. So just for the guys, listeners, if mm. you resonate with being a people pleaser, saying, yes, yeah. um, I'm such a nice guy. There's a Dr. Robert Glover has got a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy, yeah. which I read a couple of years ago, which changed my perspective. Yeah. Whereas you, the ultimate people pleaser, you want to be everything to everyone, yeah. um, but you're actually resentful yeah. and it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the first times I realized that I was the ultimate people pleaser. Yeah. And just did everything for everything else, nothing for me, but felt mm. unbelievably unfulfilled. Yeah. Which was 100% on me. You were probably trained as a child. Oh, I was, no, I was very well conditioned. Yeah, yeah, good boy. And and very obedient, as I refer to myself. Good boy. And that's how we've brought, <laughs> been brought up, you know, with rewards and mm. punishment. So we teach them, you're a good boy. Do this, mm. you're a good boy. So how do you get love now? By being a good boy. Yeah. So I'll do this for you, mm. and you'll give me a pat on the head. You'll give me love. So it's been trained. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously I work with, with people like that and we can go back and we can go and change it. But also just having that awareness of, oh, shit, that's right, mm. you know. I don't need to. This is something that was put onto me and I picked up as, as a child. That's what I was taught. Mm. So we can untrain what we've been trained to do. So the first thing is to have an awareness. What Why do I get out of it? Why do I want to do it? you know, exploring it. I don't have to do that. I can make my own decisions. I'm still a giver, even if I'm saying no. Mm. So it's about, you know, for the men to sit back and go, what is it that I want for myself? And and that's honoring yeah. you. And that's being an honorable man, you know. And Start- to me, I always, sorry to cut in, but no, I always no. challenge them saying, well, do you want to repeat the same pattern? Yeah. That's your choice. Yeah. And, and you know what, if you want to do that, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Some of them get secondary gain. Meaning? Meaning some people don't change their behavior. Yeah. If it's not working with them, they'll complain about it. Yeah. But <laughs> You're just finding the society. They now. won't. Yeah. <laughs> they'll complain. They're, yeah. Oh, poor me. I'm such a nice person. Okay. So let's change it. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll try. But they don't try because there's a, there's a secondary gain. They're getting something else out of it. They're getting some attention. They're getting some... The victim gets the attention. Mm. The one with the pain gets the attention. 
um, the nice guy might get that little bit of attend- that that little bit of whatever, and is not prepared to let go of it yet. Yeah. So everyone will change when it's the right time for them. Mm-hmm. All you can do is is present them with some some knowledge, some wisdom, and some awareness, and hopefully they'll take that and get a little bit inquisitive and want to change. Yeah. So I find the people that want to do it differently will pick it up and will do it differently. But it's also certain timing. Like I know myself, I've taken in certain information yeah, at exactly. one point and like two years later, it was like, yeah, exactly. Like it's like, book. holy moly, this is makes, yeah. whereas yeah, there is you timing. hit the key point, you, timing, and you, you've got to be ready to consume You've got to it. be ready. Yeah. Absolutely. You've got to be ready. So let's pull back to dealing with your divorce and you in yeah. the midst of chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and as you said, it changed your your practice. Was there, was there anything subsequently through the last two years that you've you know you're obviously like learning and studying yeah taken on any more information taken on a different strategy what are the the key things for you because obviously the target audience for this podcast is guys struggling right and yeah uh, a lot of my good friends hi guys listen yeah. to it and they then yeah they, this is the preempt to not struggling but what are the key things from a practice point of view from personal perspective that you implemented in your life to help you come to terms with what happened um like what? Can you give me an example? Well, I mean, so breeding, mindfulness. Oh, um, all of the tools that all I the learned. All tool, the tool set that you that you learned because yeah. as you had it and yeah. you were advising people, when yeah. you were in it, it's... It's it's different. It's super hard it's to different. implement. Yeah. So I had to actually implement um, a whole lot of new ways of being, things mm. that I was actually, um, you know, imparting on other people but not actually really... Well, I did implement it myself, but through going through my divorce and, and, you know, I needed to have some tools like breathing, like um, meditating, yoga. Um, I took up bike riding, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all of those things, um, having, making sure that my inner circle is people that are going to support me. So I set up my friendship base really well. Um... So understanding my thinking, understanding my thoughts, being in control of them rather than it being in control of me, um, trusting, facing facing fear head on, facing mm-hmm. pain head on, um, choosing not to suffer um, and still doing the work. Yeah. And throughout those the last two years I've been working, I've been sitting with clients whereas I just wanted to, to curl up a lot of yeah. the times. But I sat through it, I pushed through it and... Actually, I think I've got far more strength as a woman um, doing and and giving myself the time to Mm -hmm. go through the process nicely and calmly and find out who I am and making sure that before I have another relationship that I'm not holding on to any of that. So really taking a breath, knowing that there's time, Mm -hmm. doing the work on me, for me. And for the men, it's like they need to do what's right for them. Yeah. What where's their place that they feel safe where's their place that they feel that they can breathe go there take some time slow it down um life doesn't have to be fast it doesn't have to be you don't have to be in a relationship straight away there's time and that's what i've noticed with a lot of guys specifically yes um they'll go into a relationship pretty soon after very quickly very Um, very very quickly and and a few people have asked me why I don't do dating advice or something like yeah. that. And I'm like, no, because you, you, 
even me who's invested an obscene amount of time fixing yeah. me, I'm still a work in progress, right? Yeah. And I, I and I don't think I'm I'm getting there, but not ready to have a partner in my life. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Um, therefore, it's you know speak to me in five years' time, maybe, which for a lot of people seems like an eternity because. Yeah. Going back to those lonely days, you, you've you've got to have a piece of you ripped out, and you want to replace that. And that's fear again. That is fear. Yeah. It's fear or love, yeah. and it's um, you go through fear, but if you if you follow fear, you end up in more pain, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I've gone. You know what? No, I'm taking a step back, yeah. and I'm taking my time, and I'm working through this. And if I'm not, I'm not. If I'm not okay, it's okay mm-hmm. for now. Yeah. This is what I'm choosing to do. I just needed to, to take a breath, take a step back. Which, which absolutely, I mean, it's it's easy now, a bit, a bit of hindsight, but just for the guys listening, yeah. please just take the time. Man. Take it's, the time. Take the time. <laughs> and and self-reflect yeah. and, and look at look at where you feel the marriage didn't go well. Yeah. Um, where could you have maybe done it differently? Uh, and go through those scenarios in your head. Actually sit down and go through those scenarios because when we go through them, our body believes that we've actually done it. So the more times we repeat a pattern... body doesn't know, right? If it's reality or thought, yeah. Yeah. So mm. go through all the times where you feel, look, I could have done this better, I could have done that better, and go through the scenarios. You know, even get someone to support mm. you and go, okay, this is what I could have done, this is what I could have done. Because if you don't do that now and you don't have that awareness, you're just going to do the same thing in another relationship. And, you know, the more awareness you have about yourself, the better the quality of your relationship, but the better quality woman that they're going to attract then too. If they're still the same man that they were when they left the relationship and they're a little bit more broken, they're just going to attract someone on the same level. We're all a vibration. So you're going to attract the same vibration. So my advice would be for the men to just take a breath, take some time, um, discover who you are, who's your identity, what do you love, what do you need, you know, what's your love language, what's, there's so much to learn about yourself mm. and, and just surrender to, to you're taken care of and you'll be fine. Just three things I want to chat or focus in on what you mentioned to firstly was the breathing. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've got a module on breathing in yeah, my course, okay. huge fan, Wim Hof, box breathing, whichever yeah. you're when did you find breathing and, and what do you what do you try to do? I mean, obviously, it's just daily, right? You know, yeah. diaphragm, calm just yourself. Just take a breath. Um, yeah. But, you know, you mentioned you did quite a bit of breath work training. So, I just yeah. want to go into that a bit and how, how that benefited you just to calm and still yeah. everything down. Oh, if I'm upset, I'll just take three deep breaths. Mm. And there's a way to breathe and down into the belly. Yeah. And um, it actually gives the body an opportunity to assimilate and to just... Process everything and stack everything properly again. When we're up here, the adrenaline's going, mm-hmm. the body's just going in flight or fight. So, you know, you can't think properly. So if I breathe, I take three deep breaths mm. and it just slows me down. I've slowed myself down a, a lot yeah. since doing all of this work. And that's the biggest key is slowing it down. Slowing every In this society, everyone's just quick, 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 quick. Yeah. And you can't think properly and your body can't assimilate. So you take three deep breaths. When you breathe, you can't think either. So it stops that process of being able to think. So people go, oh, my God, I'm always in my head. Okay, so take three deep breaths. I tell you what, you won't be thinking about that again. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do now. um, And that's what I actually impart on my clients as well. And I teach them how to breathe. Yeah. Um, not actually do breath work. I have done breath work. Breath work um, is amazing because you tap into the unconscious and 
it's an incredible feeling and so much work can be done out of that and come up from that um when it, i did that vim hof so i did vim hof at the or wim hof yeah uh, on the gold coast a couple of years ago and obviously was in the midst of trauma mm. and was just shaking and yeah. just burst and like yeah. it was yeah the, the the girl i was with was giddy and happy and yeah. joyful and i was just like yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Was, yeah. it was a, like ugly crying yeah right? yeah it was, yeah. After like a 45 minute cycle, yeah. it was just mad. You just shake. Hey? Yeah, I was just. Yeah. And just. That was my experience. And I too. went to him afterwards and I was like, why is that? He said, well, that's what you were holding on to. Yeah, right? the trauma. Mm. Yeah. It was, it was brilliant. We can have adrenaline running through us 24 7 and we don't even know that it's running. Yeah. And when we do work like breath work, which is um, lots of breaths um, in, in a short amount of time and your body gets all tingly and. and mm. Um, and it allows what needs to come up to come up. So I suppose it's very similar to the work that I do. Um, and it, it, it releases the trauma. Yeah, it's it rele- What's stuck in the body becomes unstuck. Mm-hmm. And when we can release the trauma, it allows room for so much more. Then we can actually see life and see the world in a very, very different way mm. when we actually release that trauma because we're so focused. We're not focused on it, but it's so controlling us. Well, we're holding on to it. We're holding on to it. It's mm. there. Um, but when that's gone, it's like, oh, wow, I can actually, you're relaxed. You can see the world. You, you're just, it's cruisy. Mm. So, you know, all that work, all the work that I've done, and, you know, I practice what I preach and I actually go off and I do my own work. Mm-hmm. I have my own sessions now and I've got my own supervision and I do my own work. But all of those things that I've done has led me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't change a thing. You know, people might say to me, would you, you know, do you wish you were back there and knowing what you know now? I've said no. Nah, it's part of the journey. Yeah. It's part of it. It's yeah. just like if I didn't go through all of that, that pain, I wouldn't be so passionate about what i'm doing now you know and have so much wisdom about what i'm doing now and i'm in a position that i can help a lot of men and women Mm. um because of my pain and so for me it was like i'm not letting this pain go to no use it's going to become my power that's breath work so that's key um i'm I'm going to put a video box breathing is also something really really good so that's breathing for five hold for five yeah there's a, I mean, something I've been meaning to do, and I'm putting myself out there. I'll put a, I'll put a video on my site, broco.life forward slash breathe. Yeah. And there's a free app you can download and yeah. I'll just show you how to set it up for everyone. So it's just a 10 minute breathe in for five, yeah. hold for five, Great. exhale for five, hold for five. Great. Do that for 10 minutes in the morning. Yeah. Phew, yeah. Calm. So the, that's the first thing from breath. Um, mm. Second thing is meditation. Yeah. So I... My story about meditation, also in the early days of trauma, I was on stage presenting somewhere in the world. Good Canadian friend of mine saw me. I said, how was that? He said, yeah, it was as scattered as your brain is, mate. You were all over the place. Yeah. And he put me in touch with a company called Centerpoint that do, uh, it's it's basically stereo-like hypnotic, I mean, meditation. So it brings you down to a delta state using using their technology. And I've literally since that day i've been meditating every mm. through an audio file and it's got to a stage where you're dropping the frequencies own affirmations in there and yeah. i when i say that probably saved my life it probably did save my life mm. so what is your you know discovery with meditation and how have you implemented it once again for a lot of people it's like a constant still yes um how have you found that's benefited you it's uh, meditation for me has developed and grown as I have developed and grown. Mm. So I started meditating many years ago, started with group meditation and with guided meditation. 
and um, it's just like oh my gosh and that's when a, a, that spiritual part of me just just started to open up and becoming really aware of my body too so you know meditation is a lot of guys might think I've got to sit there and cross my legs and go um uh, you know it's not all about that if um, riding a bike a motorbike flat out at 100 k's an hour that's a meditation mm. because you've got the focus and that's a meditation you surfing yeah. is meditation mm-hmm. it's me riding my bike going fast uh, my push bike mm. that's a meditation you know that is a form of meditation but for me it's it's now it's sitting quietly it's reflecting and that's where i go into I actually do something called the golden box meditation now and i went to so a lady what, what is that it's it's just I, I i close my eyes and i visualize myself standing on a golden box yeah so it connects me to the earth and then i put my arms up like that and i um, just imagine that the golden light's coming down into my head down mm-hmm. to my core and then back up again and then i'll that's where i'll um ask for what i want what i need um but it's more about not I want a house I want this it's more about what is it so if you want a relationship you know um, a healthy relationship more about how does that feel Mm. how do you feel about that what are the emotions so you pretend you've already got it but it's all the feelings and the emotions so I do that and I feel like my body just goes tingly and I feel Mm. absolutely fantastic it is goosies once you you know I I refer to that as manifesting what I want yeah and you get that goosey kind of it is And, you know, you can do it on um, money, you can do it on whatever. And it's just like a couple of days ago, I did it on on money. I could see money flying in. And and then, um, you know, yesterday I had all my clients paying cash. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, my gosh. But the key point you said is how you feel when you've already achieved what you want to achieve. Yes. Just want to hammer in on that. You've you've got to emotionally go there because when you emotionally go there, bring up the feelings of the happiness, of the excitement, your body actually thinks once again Mm. with just that thinking and feeling, you've already got it. So the universe goes, ah, let's just give it to them. Already got it. So say you've dreamed of going to Fiji, hypothetically, you can feel yourself, you can smell the sea, you can feel your feet in the sand, your body believes you've been to Fiji. And it's done. It's it's happened. Your universe is up. Okay, he's going to Fiji. It's happening. Mm. But if we just think Fiji, and it's more a cognitive, then it's going, how am I going to do it? What's going to do? These are all blocks that happen. You've got to get the blocks out of the way and just be there. Mm. Not think about it, just be there. Just feel it. Just put the emotion into it. And how often do you try to practice meditation? Oh, pretty much every day. Mm. In bed, yeah. Mm. Pretty yeah, much I do. Every when I day. wake up, I kind of set my alarm for an hour yeah. early. Yeah. Put my headphones in, and it's just yeah. a, just play for an hour yeah. before I go. Yeah. And a little bit at night time too. Like I've just visualised the day that I've had. Mm. Um, I'll, I do a lot of gratitude thinking and and you know what I'm grateful for. And I'm I'm always thinking about you know thank you for what I've got mm. and. Um, you know, even thank you for the pain. Like, thank you so much for the pain. Thank you, you know, for my ex-husband and all of that and all the pain that I've felt. I'm so grateful for, for each and everything and I wouldn't change a thing because it's made me who I am now and who I am now, I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm very, to be in a position where you are that grateful, that's, you know. I'm smiling because it's a blessing. It's I mean, a, it's we, a blessing. We, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't it's, for each other's You know, pain, Maslow's right? hierarchy, yeah. you know, at the top of it, you self-actualize and that means that everything else in your life is um, you're really happy with. Mm. It's worked out. And that's where I feel, although I don't have a partner and I still feel like my life is so complete mm. 
And yes, having a, a loving partner is just going to be awesome and it's just going to be the cherry on top. Um, and that will happen when it happens. But I feel so blessed with my life. So for me, every day is just being grateful, you know. Being happy, man. And that costs nothing. Yeah, no. But what it gives me back mm. is like, you know, you have people who are so wealthy, rich money, and they're miserable. <laughs> you, they're miserable. No, I know, I know, I know. You know. I know. You know, I'm blessed financially and all of that too, but I can still go, you know what, I'm blessed. I've got a blessed life. I really do. I'm laughing because my Great. kids are like, Dad, you're always talking to people. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Yeah. Because, I mean, life's good, right? You just have a life's yarn. Great. You have a yarn you with just everyone. Talk, you put chat. a smile on people's face. Yeah. They're like, oh, you just talk. You're so embarrassing. But because you're probably more curious now too. Oh, for sure. About people yeah. and about their life and yeah. about – because when you've gone through this experience, like we've gone through, it's like, oh, my God, shit. What, who else has gone through this experience? Mm. What else? What else has happened? You know, it's very curious. So the last thing out of the many things mm. you, you mentioned, um, and I know we spoke about this on the phone beforehand, was your support structure and your yeah. your group of people around you. Yeah, my inner circle. Your inner circle. Now you said something to me which shocked me, and it went somewhere like this. Mm. I said on the phone, <laughs> if you remember, I said to you, "Oh, the perception of guys is that we don't chat." Because guys, in your, yeah. your social circle, your mates would say, oh, join Tinder, go get drunk, blah, 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 blah. They don't know yeah. how to cope with it. Yeah. Um, and I went along the lines of saying, oh, guys, guys are shocking at chatting, hence me creating community. Yeah. You came back at me and said, well, women also don't chat either. Mm. They speak about it, but obviously yeah. you don't get the right kind of yes. feedback you want. You just want to go to, yeah. I think that was, I've been thinking about it since yeah. you mentioned it. You just want to chat about that a bit? Because a lot of women... They talk, yeah? yeah? They talk at, at their friends and they talk with their friends. Um, so what I meant by that is they don't really speak effectively. They mm. don't really speak about how they feel about and, and have it um, supported back. So we, we talk, we go, oh, yeah, he's a bastard or whatever. And, oh, yeah, I know, just leave him. It's okay. Just, just, just stuff mm. him. Just go to the next one. That's not very um, constructive and helpful for the person going through it. So the majority of women, I think that's probably how they're talking to each other. It's more about advice giving and coming coming from a space of, of their own knowledge and what, what they know and their own opinion and perceptions. Projection's huge as exactly. well. Exactly. So although a lot of women are out there talking, they're not necessarily walking away from that going yeah i've got a better perception about that or thanks for that or thanks for just holding space actually and not mm. actually talking and for allowing me to talk and to, to, to solve my own problem so it's about talking effectively where you are getting your needs met where you are being heard where with women we do talk and a lot of the talk is when we talk is that's how we solve our problems mm-hmm. and so if for a man just to hold space with the woman and just allow her to talk but then you've got two women together and if they're both wanting to talk then the woman that really needs the support is not necessarily getting what she needs yeah so i think that's where i was coming from from that even though yes there's a lot of talking going on there's not a lot of they're not getting a lot out of it they're not resolving a lot of their, their issues or feeling satisfied with with them and did you find that your social circle as you has changed as you've gone through this journey yes yes it has yeah certain friends have become closer Mm -hmm. um and i'll know who who my inner circle is and those days where i was down on the floor in fetal position and crying and just you just need someone and and i'll just 
you know, you have certain friends on speed dial and you just talk to them and you don't even need to say anything. They know you're upset. They know what you're going through and they're just there. They're just listening. They're just supporting. Um, I've had uh, a couple of really close relationships just disintegrate. Um, you know, I, and I think a lot of that is because I've done a lot of work since the separation too. Yeah. And I've become a different woman. Mm. And that a lot of them don't like me the way that I am now. It makes them feel insecure. So, you know, I've lost friends because of that, because I've changed who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. And I'm strong and I've got strong boundaries yeah. and I don't put up with shit anymore. Mm. So a lot of people don't like that. So now those people go away and I attract people who can. Yeah. So if you... If you- I mean, and part of what I try to say to the guys, if you look at the, I mean, you know, the analogy of the 10 people you spend your time with is who you're going to become, yeah. right? And a lot of a lot of people end up in these friendships, whether it's school, college, uni, yeah. where you, well, I, well, for me, what was the eye-opening is just how much negative energies yeah. certain people will just sit there and bitch about everything, yeah. to bitch about everything. Yeah. And, and I think once you've gone through this enormity and realized- You can't like, take it anymore. Like, why, why, why are you complaining because there's not enough ice in it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I can't. Yeah. I'm done, right? Because yeah. it's so irrelevant. Yeah. And and that negative space is just yeah, just it's just not space for it. And when you've gone through your own stuff, is you really think I don't want to listen to you being negative. I've just gone through all of my own stuff. Mm. I'd rather talk about something that's positive, because it's it just drags you down. It's black. It's just it doesn't do anything for your psyche mm-hmm. at all. It's not empowering. It's not life giving. It's life taking. So it's ego, and um, so I choose not to be around that, um, and that's a conscious choice for me. But here's the flip of the coin, though, and I'm mm. looking at myself here, mm. is that when, when, when you are in hell and back, mm. you know, you were the person that was bitching and moaning <laughs> to your friends. Um, yeah. uh, so, so I guess who are we to now suddenly say, I don't want negative stuff around me? Yeah, yeah. But, but I suppose it's it's the, the big stuff versus the petty stuff, right? And it is. It's... That, that that's the difference is right there is like yes there were times that I would bitch and moan and carry on but I would make sure that it's not something that I would do every time with them it mm. might be because there was just something that I had to get off my chest and it was an incident that happened and I'd be like you know blah 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 we talk about it discuss it but then that'll be it mm. I wouldn't keep bringing it up every time so there is a little bit of a difference there, I suppose. And I wouldn't be with someone who's just bitching about this girl down here or this person down here. That's, yeah. a, that's how people who, if that's how they just do life, then I wouldn't choose to be around them. It's toxic. But man. it is toxic. Yeah. But there is, we do need to talk about, you know, if, you know, like even still today, there's things that come up and I go, oh my God, do you know what he's done now? You know, and, and, you know, and it's just getting that out and then that's just blah. It's not. Yeah. It's actually talking about the situation, not dragging that person down. Yeah. There's a difference. Do you know what I mean? You do need a rant. It's like I'm just saying this and this and this happened. It's talking factual, not being um, nasty and dragging yeah. dragging him down yeah. or anything like that. There's a difference. You know, oh, gosh, he's a dickhead or, you know, she's a bitch and she's just a – she'll just, you know, just yeah. really um, putting the other person down. It, that's not necessary. Yeah, I, I still do that from time to time to my friends. So thank you if you're listening. It's just a sense check. Like, yeah. I've just received this. Yeah. Please tell me I'm not being an arsehole. Yeah. Like, just because, just yeah. you know, we can see the world through yeah. whatever lens we yeah. want. Yeah. But just, 
yeah. You're checking it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. Have a beer. Cheers, I'm out. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. See, but something else which which I want to another 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 module I've got is on the victim role, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And I I distinct I I mean I say openly when between infidelities I was a victim for almost a decade, mm. right? And played poor Clint. Um, mm. Lost almost ten years of my life, right? But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I distinctly remember growing up in a sporting environment where there was a country club or a rugby club or a golf club. There was always the one or two guys in the corner of the bar who got screwed over 20 years before and felt very sorry for themselves. Yeah. So I implore guys not to assume that mindset because it's very easy. Yes. Uh, especially if something's happened to you in quotes, yes. right? Um, how do you, what advice do you give people who, when you see people stuck in that victim mentality? Because mm. it's very easy to sit there mm. for a long, long time. Yes. And a lot of people that I've seen refuse to get out of that yeah. role. Yeah. So the poor me, it's, mm. it's it, they've done this to me, they've done that to me. So yeah. then I take them through a series of questions, really, um, and that's the work of Byron Katie that I would do and get them to question and to think about what's actually happening and what's reality. Yeah. Because reality is a lot of it is their choice. So, okay, that happened 10 years ago. <laughs> but for you, you're still doing it. You're still thinking of it. Yeah. You're still going there, and that's your choice. You don't have to go there. And every time you go there, you're re-traumatizing yourself. So sort of giving them a different perspective about how they're thinking and that they're, it, how they're thinking about that is a choice. And that when they're stuck in that role is they can't then start to develop something else. Yeah. Well, because it owns them. Right? It owns them. That's their identity. Yeah. So they sort of need to step out of that the side of themselves and look at themselves and go, is that the person that I really want to be? Because you're being that person because that's who you're choosing to be. Mm. At, yes, shit has happened. Reality is, that's it. But you can't fight with reality. You can't change it. All what you can do is how you change as a person, as a man, as a mm. woman, and how you deal with certain situations defines who you are as a person. And I know we've led on to, spoken about fear a lot, but a lot of people in that situation even though they're fulfilling an identity which doesn't serve them yeah there's that fear of letting go of that identity for whatever yeah. reason yeah um and there's a fear of moving forward is i've got to hold on to this because that's who i was because what's out there yeah you know if i step out there and i fail i might just stay here and step under i want to hold on to this old diane because she's she's what i know she's she's, she's safe, your story even though she's a victim mm. Um, there's safety here because it's what I know. And as humans, we, we, we want to feel comfortable in what we know. So stepping out of letting this go is just like, oh, I've actually got to let the past go. I've got to let that person go and step into the new. And that takes courage. And that's love. That's, that's, that's kindness. That's trusting. That's, you know, it's, it's trusting the unknown. And that's really scary for some people. Well, it's coming back to Eckhart, right? You, all we have is the now. The yeah. past is just, yeah. it doesn't exist anymore. And also it's become a habit. The victim mentality is who they've become as a person. Mm. And that's who they're, you know, that's their role. Yeah. And it's realizing, well, that's a habit and that's a choice. So it's either you can become a victor or a victim. Make your choice. Mm. Write a V, make a choice. You have the choice. It's just a choice. Change it. Amen. Yeah. So I guess if you have some advice for someone who's recently divorced, separated in mm. the midst of it, mm. um, 
any quick tips that that would be the best what i refer to as your bang for your buck to help you because there's because there's overwhelm right yeah there is overwhelm and there's so the best way to get out of it is to stay in it Mm. it sounds like a bit of a contradiction but if you're in pain and we try and push it down or run away from it by filling it with something else it's going to stay so if you really want to get out of the pain feel the pain yeah stay with the pain Stay with the sadness, stay with it, allow it to be in your body. And I tell you what, believe you me, it will leave you. Mm-hmm. It needs to be there. It's like we have surgery to heal the f- physical body. We have pain and sadness and all of that emotions to heal the emotional body. So uh, could be a controversial tangent, but uh, let's go down there. The whole antidepressant, you know, tranquilizers concept of dealing with pain. The Band-Aid. Yeah, I mean, it, absolutely, right, as is alcohol, drugs, yep. Tinder, all the, all, yep. the, all the Band-Aids you can find. Like, yep. I, the first time I went through the trauma, right, I, I went on that stuff because I couldn't cope, right, yep. but this time I was adamant to feel that pain. Yeah. It's almost, you know, run a marathon, I'm not going to take an anti-inflammatory, I'm going to feel this experience. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there is a place for it. Mm-hmm. I think if, let's just talk men, if they've separated and it's just been so traumatic and they're feeling suicidal mm. and if they need some antidepressants for a little while to get them through, great. Do it. Yeah. But have have a timeline. Have, this is just now. This is just what I need for now. This is why we go into fight and flight and freeze. We freeze. There's um, We have denial when we, when we have a trauma. We go, we just can't believe it. We go numb. You know, we go numb. Our body does that. Can't be, my let's go. Yeah, we can't go. be. Yep. Like, this can't be real. This can't be yeah. happening. We go numb. So that's our body's way of protecting us because we're not ready to deal with it yet. So if they're not ready to deal with it yet, and they may not be, mm. they need time just to come back into themselves. Yeah, look, take it mm. if that's what they need to take to, just to get through. But have a plan, mm. a conting- contingency plan to get off it. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I always try convince guys which is also bad for guys to speak to a professional right it's just oh my, my the therapist i had was a lifesaver he yeah. was a, a genius yeah and 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 was huge for me yeah you know i, I still i still check in with them every yeah. couple of months something yeah. happens have a bit of a wobble and yeah um yeah it's so important it's like key. if your car's breaking what you take yeah. it for you yeah. take and get it fixed you know or you take it for a service so it doesn't completely shit itself yeah you don't take it to the bar where like, your mates exactly. make some integrity <laughs> exactly it's like so if you've got an emotional thing it's like go just go talk to someone you're just mm. having a conversation that's it it's weird that stigma around it. yeah it's just like oh, i'm not uh, yeah but it's but yeah for me that was one of the huge yeah. key things as well so for me is if you've got the pain you know just allow it to to be there sit with it mm. because we can't push it away we can't push it down we can't run from it it's like when you've got something, you've got to bring it out and go, well, I see you. Mm-hmm. So I see you, so now I can go. It's like w- how I felt going through my divorce. It was like I was going through a forest and I couldn't see the, the sky at all. Mm-hmm. But I could just see a path. And at the end of the path, there was a little shed of sunlight coming mm-hmm. through. And that's what I kept looking for. I could actually see it. And there were times where I'd just stop and I'd drop in the path. And, you know, that was okay. That's what I needed to do. I had a doona day. I felt the pain and I stayed there. <laughs> and, or oh, one day I might have drunk too much. Yeah. And I just allowed that to be as much as the process 
as the stepping forward. Mm. That is just as important and it is part of the process to be not okay, to be in pain and to feel the pain and to be in, take a day off work and just to go stuff the world. I'm just feeling sorry for myself today. So stuff you all. I'm having a drink. And I'm and I'm having a do in a day. And I'm watching that British Netflix Netflix on all Netflix day. all day. <laughs> but then yeah. I get up and I'm always moving forward. Yeah. So the next thing I would tell them is to always make sure you're moving forward. Mm. You may stop, but keep moving, keep going. Don't ever stop moving. Because it when you're in it, it doesn't ever seem like it's gonna be over, it but does. it does actually get better. And I'm out and I'm in the sunlight yeah. and it's absolutely beautiful. And there were times where I thought, oh shit, how long is this bloody gonna last yeah. for? Because it is so painful. But the thing is, keep moving. And what mm. I mean by that is, just just get through every day. It's like, just see one day at a time. Don't go too far into the future. Just stay in today. What do I need to do for today? What work do I need to get done? What do I need to get done? Because when we go into tomorrow and next week and next month and next mm. year, it's too overwhelming. Yeah. So in, enjoy the journey. It is a journey. And the more we can feel it, the more we can move through yeah. it. Brilliant. Mm. So what is next for Pearl Counseling? What are your plans? Well, because of all of this, I have something else that's developed called Flourish. And that's helping women go through this exact thing. Mm. So what I want to do is to have a group work with with women, mm. um, but because I'm divorce studying, specifically divorce or separation, mm. only divorce or separated mm. women. Yeah, um, and I'll be doing more grief work because what we go through is grief. Mm. We have a, had a huge loss. Um, the white and, picket fence no longer. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what the thing is. They go to the doctor and say I'm depressed. Oh, the doctor gives you a script. Well, hang on, you're actually as part of grief. Oh, okay, so I'm not abnormal and I don't need to worry about yeah. this. I just need to feel it. So for Pearl Counseling, it'll be just finishing off um, my diploma in clinical mm. hypnotherapy. And next year, we'll be starting up my flourishing groups and just continuing working with couples. And I actually want to start talking on a bigger scale Yeah. and start getting the word out there mm. about the pain and of separation divorce but just getting up there and just speaking speaking to women and just letting them know and that it's okay i want to normalize it mm. because like grief is we just told to just shut up and just leave it and not it needs to come out it needs a voice it needs to be seen because the thing is if if as we alluded to earlier if people understood the pain and the enormous ripple effect that seriously yeah. seriously consider it huh? exactly not you know i mean make different choices because yeah. it's yeah, I mean, and you just, I guess, need to get that awareness out there because yep. it's in this instant gratification, instant fix, I want the shiny things society. Um, you know, everything looks better. Yes. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oof. And look at dating. It's all online. It's like yeah. a blooming online shopping. Flick, flick, flick. No, flick, flick, flick. Is that how it works? It's, yeah. <laughs> but do you, know, do you know how many couples are married and are on that? Because it's too bloody easy. Mm. They're having a bit on the side. Yeah. Flicking and uh, because of, you know, instead of working this out, this isn't the easy way. You no, know, I, that's trouble. That's just trouble. So I hear you. So, yeah, uh, onward and upward. Onward and upward. And where can people get hold of you? We'll put all the links up in the show notes. Yeah. Um, Pearl Counseling. Um, dot com. Dot com. Diane at pearlcounseling.com.au. It's 
um, my website's www.pearlcounselingandparenting.com.au. Okay. And you're on Instagram? Yes, Pearl Counseling on Instagram, on Facebook, um, LinkedIn. All the social Just platforms. put me in your I'll put computer you in the show notes, and yeah. bang, it all comes <laughs> up, you know. I'm out there, so... Brilliant, Diane. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been you. a great conversation. It's um, been amazing. Closing thoughts for everyone before we before I head off to you two tonight. I'm in oh. Brisbane to see the Joshua Tree concert. I am so envious. Yeah. I'm so envious. I think for me the closing thoughts would be that anyone going through this and traveling mm. through this is that you're not alone. You you certainly are not alone and there is help out there and reach out ask for help it's it's not a bad thing to ask for help if you don't ask you don't receive and um there are a lot of wise people out there that can just support you so yeah you're not alone brilliant Mm. thanks so much thank you bono i'll see you in a bit (laughs) oh